0: Welcome to Starkey Soundbites. I'm your host, Dave Fabry, Starkey's Chief Innovation Officer. Our guest today is Dr. Achin Bolmick, who serves as Chief Technology Officer and Executive Vice President of Engineering here at Starkey. Of course, he's a, become a good friend over the last several years and colleague. Uh, thanks for being with us here today, Achin.
1: Thank you for having me, Dave, and it's a fun pleasure to talk to you, no matter what the stage is.
0: Indeed, and we've been on more than a few stages together. I was thinking about this earlier, and I think we've been on at least three continents together as we've launched uh, Livio AI um, when I first rejoined the company and you were here. Uh, And it was really the industry's first device that incorporated embedded sensors in combination with artificial intelligence, and it's been a rocket ship ride ever since then.
1: It was a journey it has been, isn't it?
0: It sure has. I, I
1: can't wait to get back on normal time so we can hit, hit, hit the road again.
0: I do miss that. As much as I love these podcasts and I love the virtual trainings that we've been doing and launches that we've been doing, uh, it, it, there's nothing quite like having the engagement of an audience in front of you to feel yeah. their excitement as they're responding to this uh, technology again, that we're launching. Part
1: of our job is to connect with the customers and patients and audience around the world so we can test what the user requirements are and how the products can fill more of their needs than they have done in the past. Indeed. So that's a part that uh, we can do better job as as the world get back, gets back to normal.
0: Yep. Fingers crossed that we'll be um, somewhere near uh, our audience members soon. And yep. uh, let's talk a little bit. We'll get to the technology because I know that's both of our favorite topic, but uh, I want to talk a little bit about your background in terms of how did you find your way to Starkey? Right. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe begin with the more recent, uh, your yeah. more re- recent past at Intel. Right. Um, how did you how did you find your way to Starkey?
1: Oh, that's a good question. So I think uh, the way that I would I would uh, start is by transcending myself of the companies and the structures and the processes, but um, ask. I ask myself of what do I find to be my calling in terms of Mm -hmm. all of the learnings and passion. Where do I want to make the mark and an impact that, uh, you know, all has been said about you have to find your passion Mm -hmm. such that work doesn't feel like work. Mm -hmm. So for me, I'll I'll introduce some jargons, I'll define them. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I call that perceptual computing. Mm -hmm. First, I'm an engineer at heart. I'm not a a neuroscientist, but spend a lot of time with them. And early part of that uh, started with this desire to uh, get into natural human-computer interaction. Mm-hmm. And, and what's natural? Essentially, how do humans do it? How do we do it in our normal lives? When you start to ask questions and, and peel the layers and get deeper into it, there is no escape but to uh, get an understanding of how our systems work.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: How, how does the human system work? More specifically, how do we sense and perceive and understand the world, which then leads us to interacting in the world the way that we do.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, as an engineer, you look at all the components that we have, so the, the term that I have embraced along with other colleagues in the industry back then and at Intel when I started this initiative called uh, perceptual computing, mm-hmm. uh, the whole idea there was to mimic biology and a way that I explain to general audience is that uh, you know we, we, we take our perceptions for granted. It's just, it comes so naturally and so easily to us. We wake up in the morning, open our eyes, and a flash of light comes in, but we totally are not uh, aware of all of the physical processes that go in. When you consider the physics behind it, the light, the rays or photons that essentially come from the sun and, you know, or through the light in the ceiling that get bounced around in the environment around you and enters our eyeball, which get transformed at the back of the eye in the retina uh, into electrical signals Mm -hmm. in the form of neural impulses, which then find their way into the, into the, the visual cortex first and then gets interpreted there and gets into a lot more sophisticated processing for us to to understand what's going on around us, combine that with other senses.
0: Yeah, I mean that's just one sense. That's the one sense of vision. Separating that out for vision, right? And then you think about the ear. I mean, we we've been saying, you know, you yeah. you don't hear with your ears. Right. Your ears act as sensors, that's right. as your eyes do, yeah. and then we have that whole process. But mm-hmm. then, in particular, for hearing, vision right. and hearing are so inextricably intertwined. Right. People say, "Oh, I'm I'm losing my hearing a little bit now. I better learn to lip read." Well, yeah. we've been lip reading our whole lives That's and using right. that information. Yep. And they both serve as sensory inputs: the yeah. the, four, the two eyes and two ears. The,
1: the key is the multimodal aspect. Yeah, because we we are we have all of these sensory modalities on all the time, mm-hmm. and not to leave behind, touch, s- smell, taste, and then the higher levels of deriving semantic information from it. Mm-hmm. You know, Dave's smiling; the other person's looking confused. So it's combining all of the modalities of of sensor data, eyes, ears, skin, the touch from the skin, Mm -hmm. the somatic sensation, smell, taste, and then this amazing, our amazing ability to create a model of the world Mm -hmm. with all of the sensory inputs, and that allows us to navigate in this world, understand it, interact with each other. So that's the whole field, I call it perceptual computing. And then the way I look at it, uh, the parts of, you know, we all got trained in in science, in high school, and then the college, physics, biology, and all of that, and then when you start to get into practice, it led myself into this natural human-computer interaction world where there was a clear, clear almost like a, a demarcation of the old world of computing mm-hmm. and the new world of computing. And I'm just uh, playing back to you the strategic thinking that went on in my head, mm-hmm. along with esteemed colleagues and mentors at Intel and other larger companies, mm-hmm. Apple, Google, and mentors in the Silicon Valley area. Uh, to us, it was clear that the world of computing, as it evolves, and there's not a simple line that divides right. the past from the future, but there was this clear sense that the world of computing was fast evolving from systems that uh, are uh, stationary mm-hmm. on your table, uh, and then it became the computer in your pocket. Mm-hmm. And then the computers are going to be just everywhere. The concept of pervasive computing, where you know the distributed... Uh, sensing, computing, interaction. Think of cars that drive by themselves. Mm-hmm. What is that? It's a computer. Mm-hmm. Drones that can fly around without running into objects because it recognizes what is around it. That's a computer.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He- hearing devices that are in your ear, that's mm-hmm. understanding what's going on around you, the acoustic environments, mm-hmm. that's a computer. Right. So the definition of computer was evolving. And to me, these were all perceptual computing in the way that just computing and logic was not good enough. You needed the computers to develop senses to understand what's going on around you. Right. So that I think was the bridge between when I consider that to be the bridge between my old world mm-hmm. in my career at Intel to the new world at Starkey, I don't see the difference between the two. Right. The fundamentals are the same.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and, and you say, you know, the, the bridge between old world computing, new world computing, and I would even argue that the bridge between machine and human. There's no line anymore. I mean, I'm a, a good example of that. I'm slowly becoming yeah. a cyborg. Suddenly and, we joke and, about and, that and, a lot. And, You're a living cyborg. Yeah, and, and, and this issue of now your evolution, yeah. if you will, into uh, our company and our world in the hearing space uh, but knowing again that there's integration from sight and even touch, I'm old enough to remember hearing devices in the early days that used vibrotactile sensation. So right now we talk about vision and hearing, but there was vibrotactile sensors that would be used to help people differentiate between different sounds if they had profound hearing loss. So sure. so now the world that we live in has really led to this journey that since you joined us now in uh, in when we launched Livio AI in 2018. We were the first mm-hmm. manufacturer to introduce a product, a hearing product, with embedded sensors in combination with machine learning and artificial mm-hmm. intelligence, and we've been off to the races.
1: And I'll, I'll uh, tell a little bit of the, the story from behind the scenes for your yeah. audience. Yeah. Um, you have heard me say mm-hmm. these things many times, but for the benefit of your audience, I'll just uh, say a, a b- b- bit more details than I've shared in the past. So suddenly when I got to interact with Mr. Austin, uh, and I remember the frank conversations we were having where he would say i don 't know much about this that this thing you call perceptual computing, but I like that it's like uh, learning from biology to influence technology. But then he said that with that, I, I see what he's doing is you are using that knowledge and intuition to develop technology to make better technology right so a, a car that gets you from point A to point b, but with this sophisticated technologies, the car will be aware of its environment and take you from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. Or the robots, drones, computers that will let you just stare at it and recognize your face. So those are, your enhancing technology with the knowledge of, you know, technology that's inspired by biology. How about we make it full circle?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: His challenge was, can we, can we then, rather than working on, on machines, help humans live better lives mm-hmm. with this knowledge that comes full circle, we learn from biology, get inspired by how the natural world works, develop technology that's inspired by it, and then use the technology to enhance human perception. So in ways, to me, it appeared to, me to be the opportunity for making a shift from enhancing machine perception to mm-hmm. augmenting human perception.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And the other ways and practical aspects, as I learned about hearing aids from him and other esteemed colleagues around me at the time, it felt like there was a time an opportunity for us to uh, migrate the hearing devices, which were already playing an amazing role in connecting people with people, um, helping people hear when they can't without the devices. Mm-hmm. But then we had the opportunity to transform these devices from a single function product to a multi-purpose device that serve many more purposes and help people in many more ways than their single function nature. And you heard me give examples of how, you know, uh, uh, easy to look back and, and see an example in the past. Where mm-hmm. When Apple introduced iPhone back in 2007, they took a device that was already popular, already very useful, mm-hmm. the mobile phone. Yep. But iPhone not only did everything a mobile phone could do, but over time, it became your camera, it became your GPS device, it became your pocket computer, it became your YouTube watching device, the media platform, gaming device. For us, there was a unique opportunity because nobody had done it before.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And we had even better opportunity to leverage the hearing aids ability to be with you without being, without being aware of it. People who use hearing aids, they, it's a killer application. I, always, I mean, People who have to use hearing aids, they will use the devices in their ear all the time. And while it is there, the three aspects, how can you make it do better job than it has ever done Mm -hmm. with new technology? Mm -hmm. Hopefully you get to talk about those sensors, machine learning. And then second, if it's in my ear already, and ear is the best place for sensing health and doing biometrics. Why don't we do those and keep me safe? Mm -hmm. Hopefully it will be aware of my health problems before even I know, or I happen to accidentally see a doctor. And the third, how do we make this device being, be the conduit to the world of information, become my very personal virtual assistant. So all of those opportunities are there. So with that, with the, the the bridge between the old one and the new world of computers that are stationary to computers that are with you all the time, they're pervasive, not even aware of them. And those computers, you know, rather than just being a gadget that helps you entertain yourself, something that help, helps you live better lives so that that is how in, a, in a short while i would say my journey yeah. from the recent journey from the days at intel as uh, as a leader for a new group there working mm-hmm. on perceptual computing to the opportunity at stucky working with you and others in transforming hearing aids into the next generation wearable device that you want to have mm-hmm. not just because you need to have them
0: Exactly. I mean, the stigma surrounding uh, hearing aids is very different than what you had in terms of working at Intel with drones and computers. Uh, People want those. Uh, You know, was that an initially, was that a challenge when you came to the hearing aid world, given that, you know, no matter where you are in the world, even if you're providing them at no cost Mm -hmm. to the end user, less than half the people choose to use them. And I think that's a very important point that you raise Mm -hmm. that right now people feel like they have to wear the Uh, the devices, but they're in at least an approach avoidance, if not an avoidance avoidance conflict. They're not crazy about having hearing loss Mm -hmm. or about using hearing aids, but the mission is to transform them into a a want to have kind of device like you've been working with in the past by increasing that multi-purpose, multi-functionality. And in fact, Mm -hmm. we're we're sort of augmenting, giving them a superpower, uh, uh, not only in, in the hearing space, but then with the ability to sense Health and wellness yep. uh, to be able to use it for as as Jarvis uh, as a, an additional communicator robot uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and accessing mm-hmm. the internet yep. and what would you say when you joined our company? Mm-hmm.
1: So um, um, uh, that's so let me let me start yeah. with the stigma yeah. side yeah. yeah because I I want to add my bit to it yeah. you know which engineer doesn't want a good challenge right, right. so it's all about problem solving yeah. if you think about the world of technology and engineering. Mm-hmm. There is curiosity part of it, where we just want to know things, we want to know how things work. And the moment we wanted to call ourselves engineer, mm-hmm. we, we take on an additional responsibility of solving problems. And when you explain, uh, you know, those, I heard a lot in 2017 when I joined, there's this big stigma about hearing aids. Right. I think we still have them. Yeah. We haven't solved them quite, but what a challenge, right? Because uh, if, if a device has become so useful and essential for someone who cannot live their lives without it. I've seen plenty of them. Mm-hmm. You know, People come in,
2: mm-hmm.
1: struggling to hear, they get a good pair of hearing aids, perfectly fitted with a capable professional, mm-hmm. and then they leave in tears. Yeah. They cry, right? So suddenly, the product is awesome, or the technology connects people with people that they were not being able to do before, and it leaves them in tears. So the value is clear. Well, then there's the stigma. What an awesome problem to work on, right? So how do you go about that? Well, first of all, make cool devices. Mm -hmm. You know, this thing's said about how uh, uh, when you pick up an iPhone or or a good, well-designed piece of uh, technology, get into your Tesla car, Mm -hmm. right, or your Apple Watch or any any good device, it's got a coolness with it. It's the way the industrial design goes, right? And, you know, you look at, um, modern hearing aids that we have built now, you've just, we have started shipping Evolve AI hearing aids. Mm-hmm. So I'll tell you this, right? When I, uh, you know, I've told this story long times, many, many times that I don't have hearing loss, but mm-hmm. uh, I'm hooked to my hearing aids. Mm-hmm. And it, people might say, oh, well, of course, you're a CTO for Starkey, you're going to use your hearing aids. Right. But genuinely, there is this value of about this device. So first of all, when I pull out my hearing aids, and I do that uh, in, you know, in meetings, let's say a conference in Silicon Valley mm-hmm. or you know, at, at a meeting at Apple or something. First of all, people, the jaw drop. It's like, you had something in your ear? We didn't, didn't see, even it. see it. Yeah. And then I'll show it to them. And they say, wow, that's a well-designed device. Mm-hmm. And then you'd say, I can see you wearing it all day mm-hmm. because you can forget about a device like this. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, there's nothing dangling from your ear. It doesn't create a tug. There's mm-hmm. no fatigue about it. So the amount of design work that has gone in in making these devices cool Mm -hmm. over the last few years versus the ugly pictures that you see in Wall Street Journal, New York Times, when they talk about hearing aids, these big devices. It may as well be an ear trumpet. 10 years or 20 years ago, right? Yeah. So so the devices have become cool. One way to remove stigma because, you know, you see people in the planes now with devices coming out of their ear. And if you have such cool devices called hearing aids, it removes the stigma because it's cool devices. Number two, who doesn't like to be... Uh, to be told of a problem that might they might have right. uh, in the future. Right. That's the path we're on with sensors built in, with machine learning that tracks my physical activities, so I don't need to get you know other uh, peripheral devices around my body because this device is multifunctional and that does it all. And how cool is it? You know, my my gardener who's uh, a Spanish-speaking individual. I I don't speak Spanish. Yeah. He doesn't speak much English, yeah. but I can double tap and bring up a translator or go to my mobile app and bring up Mm -hmm. the translator. And my hearing aid, now being connected to the cloud via the smartphone, has infinite amount of computing resources available to translate from any language to any language, between 27 languages. Mm -hmm. It allows me to have a one-on-one conversation. Mm -hmm. I do have to be patient with the 50 milliseconds delay that's required for the cloud. But guess what? Much better than having a human translator in between me and my gardener, right? So this device, I believe we are way on its uh, on, on our journey, to make it so essential and cool that the stigma will, cheap away, will stick chip away at the stigma.
0: Well, two things that I'll, I'll that come to mind when you when you recount that. Um, the first time, one of the very first times we traveled together, we went to TechCrunch in San Francisco, right. and um, we they had set up some interviews with various media agencies. And remember, there was a TV reporter yeah. who came, and he was like, "Oh, yeah." Uh, you know, and there's all kinds of cool tech that's around there. Mm-hmm. And he was like, he was just going to do a vignette of all different technologies that they were seeing right. at this TechCrunch. And suddenly, you know, he said, "Well, you know, what, what do you got in terms of the hearing aid?" And we started talking about yeah. the features, just as yeah. you have now. Suddenly, he said, "Really, you can do that?" And we had a remote mic, and we were, remember we were playing. He yeah. did a whole segment yeah. on local TV that night I remember because that we nerd jacked the conversation. Yeah, he and said he, he didn't have much
1: time left. For yeah. he said, oh, hearing aid company, let's <laughs> tell me what it is because I need to go check so many other things." Right. And he ended up spending an entire evening with us. Right. And then he packed up and went home and did the entire episode on the us. The
0: whole segment was yeah. on us. And so so that,
1: that's our you know the secret. Yeah. We need to get it out there. Let people know of this amazing technology yeah. that enhances their lives. We this just have to, to be tell our This happened to me many story. times
0: on a plane. The, the, the litmus test for me, too. On a plane, sitting next to a millennial while I'm finishing up a phone conversation with a mm-hmm. colleague or my wife. And then they say, were you just using those hearing aids for that? And then I say, oh, but just I'm just getting started. Yeah. And when someone says, I don't have a hearing loss, how do I get that? Yeah. It's sort of, that's the battle mm-hmm. that we've been facing is fighting the stigma, yes. improving first and foremost, the people's ability to hear better, right. but then translate that into live better through uh, uh, providing these health and wellness features and the communication feature. So, well, let's transition into the technology a little bit. You come from this world where AI is commonplace, but to the hearing aid space, I mean, can you talk a little bit? I mean, I say on the one hand, in our industry, AI is ubiquitous and yet it's meaningless. Everyone's using a little bit different definition, a little bit way of looking at how they define AI, machine learning, deep neural networks, or deep learning. Can you talk in simple terms about the differences between those and how, yeah, how all, we're defining
1: good it? Good question. I think all I need to do is like explain the paper you and know, I wrote, yeah. wrote recently at uh, Seminars of Hearing and also IEEE Computer. So the w- I, would, I would approach it for your audience from the viewpoint of what is in there for me, the user. Mm-hmm. So there's the world where everything needed to be set for the uh, environment that you are in. So now let, let's discuss that a bit. So let's say um, I have my hearing devices mm-hmm. and uh, it's designed to take in sound and amplify it. Well, it sounds very simple, except in real world, the sound can mean many things. We know in our ear, the conduit to the mechanical vibrations of air, and it's getting what I call a cacophony of sounds from all different sources. Mm -hmm. You know, fortunately you and I are having a quiet, uh, having a conversation in a quiet place now. Mm -hmm. But most often we find ourselves in a coffee shop, in the restaurant, Mm -hmm. where uh, it switches, the nature of sound switches from being sound of interest to sound of source of annoyance. Right. We are having a conversation right now. I don't care so much about the music around us, mm-hmm. but we'll soon be taking a pause and then I want to enjoy that music. Mm-hmm. And uh, the device, if it was dumb, if it was amplifying all sound that's, that's coming into the ear the same way, it would be annoying device.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know when we'll be talking, it will amplify your, your voice. And then there is uh, background music to be amplified as well and mm-hmm. make, it'll make it really hard for me to understand what you're saying. Imagine somebody suddenly bringing a vacuum cleaner and starting to clean, mm-hmm. a truck passing by, or as soon as I step outside, there's a big wind whoosh coming in and uh, creating sound that will get amplified. That's the world of the, the old hearing aids. What AI can do, and when I explain what it can do, people say, oh, can I have it now? So we get often caught in technology, jargons, machine Mm -hmm. learning, deep learning, Mm -hmm. artificial intelligence. That gets scary for our, our patients. But if we explain to them this way, imagine a device that is smart, intelligent. It knows what sound should be amplified, should be of interest to you. Because we are now having a discussion, perhaps the speech component of the sound should be amplified. And then the background music should be decreased or not amplified. Mm -hmm. And then the moment I stop talking, perhaps I am now paying attention to the surrounding sound, so they should be given a bit of priority. Or, you know, I'm now stepped outside and it should automatically detect the presence of wind noise and suppress it. That's what is possible with machine learning that was not possible beforehand. Why is that? Because the old world of computing prior to AI Mm -hmm. was all about engineers coding up the rules, Mm -hmm. saying, you know, it's this if- this, then that. Right. Conditional statements, that sort of was the heart of computer programming paradigms prior to machine learning and AI. I needed to code the rules into the program for the device. If you see this, do. if you hear this, do that. If the signal has these patterns, do this. And I could do that for maybe a dozen rules. Maybe I can put in a hundred rules.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Maybe I can put in a thousand rules and have gigantic program that require a lot of memories in the device. Mm-hmm. Or we could rely on this really exciting development that's taken place in machine learning. When you pick up newspapers or listen to news and you hear AI is taking over the world,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's been called the new electricity. AI is the new electricity, Andrew mm-hmm. Ng at Stanford, a good mm-hmm. colleague of mine, said. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, there's truth in that. I, I you know, for a longer time, I would get into more detail, but believe me when I say the world's with the world, the way it's shaping up in every aspect of our technology is going to change with AI. Cars are going to drive by themselves and fatalities are going to be orders of magnitude lower.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And you're, just look at the junk emails you used to get three years ago and versus today. Most of the junk emails get automatically understood to be junk and categorized as such. Mm-hmm. Without that, you're, you'll not get the Gmail experience that you get today or keeping your bank accounts safe because AI can do much better job in detecting anomalous transactions mm-hmm. and is doing a better job than human doctors in reading radi- radiograms, detecting cancer. In our own world, what does that mean? The devices with machine learning algorithms can do millions of automatic classifications and you know, we said these numbers and people got stunned. Yeah. The device makes 55 million automatic adjustments every hour.
0: This is on Evolve AI. Evolve AI 55 product. 55 million.
1: Yeah, for me, it's a billion adjustments every right. day. Right. Think about if I had to make billion, forget billion, a million, forget a million. If I had to make 100 different adjust- adjustments every day, impossible, I just want to go about my life. I want to talk to you, I want to say hello to people. I want to be in a meeting. I want the device to be in the background, be so smart that it makes a billion automatic adjustments based on its artificial intelligence, Mm -hmm. and that's what our devices do. Mm -hmm. So when when people talk about AI, it's not 10 years from now. It's now. It's what you're making it, thanks to our work the last two years, three years. All, and just imagine, just close your eyes and imagine what we are going to do two years from now.
0: Well, and and think about that, like you said, um, continuous improvement. Uh, We have very highly accurate automated classifiers now. So that, just for people that have worked with hearing aids for quite a while, like I have, Uh, It used to be that if we had uh, directional microphones or noise management, people had to access a separate program Mm -hmm. when they went into noise and they switched programs. Then they went if they wanted to listen to music or they wanted to be in quiet, they would switch those programs manually. Now machine learning, uh, AI, does that automatically. Mm -hmm. But yet the problem that you raise Mm -hmm. is that sometimes... Um, speech is a signal of interest. Sometimes it's a noise. Sometimes music is a signal that I want to hear and other times I don't. And it's I may noise. even want to use different algorithms to process that music so I can enjoy it fully. Right. The issue is even the best automated classifiers are challenged to uh, be perfect given those last two scenarios. The speech is a signal or speech is a noise or music as a signal or music as a noise. So talk a little bit about the way that we developed Edge Mode yes. as a way to really provide this human-machine interface yes. that puts AI at the, at the patient's fingertips, right. if you will. Yep,
1: that's a good question. So uh, one thing we haven't found out, the entire scientific community yet, is yes, there's a lot of excitement about perhaps there is uh, some way to peek into your mind and see what you're thinking. I could be sitting here, I, I, want, I want to enjoy music, and uh, in other environments, I just want to pay attention to what you're talking about. So there's this intention that I have that only I know. Mm -hmm. And then you want that AI system to be such that it should take simple cue from me. And so for us, the first instantiation for that is Edge Mode, which, as you know, is wildly successful. You know, people are just unbelievably giddy over it. So you you just simply double tap. And despite the complexities in the acoustic environment, it's going to prioritize speech and clarify things. And it's powered by AI. Mm-hmm. So we're able to take a, a snapshot and the system automatically determines what are the best parameter setting for that environment. Because you know, the, what's fundamentally most exciting about AI is its ability to continuously learn from data, learn mm-hmm. from experience. Mm-hmm. It's like a human child, right? Mm-hmm. So we learn along the way, right? Um, first time I saw perhaps a flame, I might have put my finger in it Right. And then, I you know I, I realized not to do it again. Right. right.
0: Or even more primitive than that. a, a, a baby um, doesn't have any rules for how to understand or learn language, whatever wherever they're they're growing up in the world, right. but they have their parents. Mm-hmm. um and they see them saying some things mm-hmm. and reacting if the child is starting to utter back to them. And the yeah. first time they happen to say, uh, mama or dada mm-hmm. and the mom or dad reacts, right. um, they get reinforcement. They don't have any rules, but they right. know when I did that, she laughed or she approved or she picked me up and carried me around. Right. And that acquisition is truly right. deep neural network that yep. they don't they don't have any rules when mm-hmm. they're starting. Is that the differentiator yeah, think, between machine that, you know, learning we'll, and the
1: technical term for that we would say is learning from data or learning learning from experiences. Yeah. So when you say we learn from experiences, essentially what you're saying is that you know, when you get exposed to more information, we're able to tweak the model of the reality in our head. And so that's essentially what a learning machine uh, should do. Mm -hmm. It continuously should adjust the model with new information and new data.
0: Yeah, and in turn, we continue to improve it. I mean, initially, we took advantage of the fact that we have sensors embedded uh, in the devices that are worn in or on the ears. And in the same way that they track physical activity, social engagement falls, as you mentioned, they can also pick up a double tap. Mm-hmm. Um, we did have some patients say that rather than always having to double tap, which is not all that obtrusive, mm-hmm. but they would also like to be able to discreetly right. engage Edge Map Edge Mode in the, the application. Mode, right. And now yeah. in Evolve AI, uh, we can do that too. So they can very discreetly just right. activate that when they're uh, 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 when they have their cell phone
1: with them. Yeah, and the world is such that uh, the mobile phone has become uh, ubiquitous part of many patients' lives. Mm-hmm. And everybody's familiar with the apps now. They're using app for controlling everything. And we should just respect that they might want to use the app as a control for for things, including invoking edge mode when mm-hmm. they need that extra help yep. for understanding speech. So I'll
0: ask you the question that we always get asked. If edge mode is so good, why don't you just simply use edge mode all the time?
1: That's a great question. So um, just think, of, think about the optimization that the device does for your surroundings. Mm-hmm. If you're staying in that environment, for a long period of time, it would be optimal setting for you. So let's imagine the uh, situation where I I am in my study room and just two or three people around me and talking and there's this little background sound and I chose to invoke edge mode for that environment Mm -hmm. and I double tapped. The device recognized that as a request to optimize for that environment. Mm -hmm. And then I walked out and went to a different environment. I could choose for the device's automatic classifications to be good enough for me, Mm -hmm. but if I need that extra help for that challenging environment that it has not been subjected to before, I might double tap again and have that device quickly capture the new acoustic environment around it and optimize for that environment. So it's that, you you call it putting AI in the fingertip of the patient, Mm -hmm. it's getting amazing feedback, saying that I feel like I'm in control when I want to, you know, I need that extra boost for a particular challenging situation my device can do that. It's the AI that listens to me.
0: Yeah, and edge mode right now is optimized for audibility. Some people may not always want to be optimizing for audibility, sure. but for other purposes at other times. So, yeah. and and we continue mm-hmm. to uh, improve this feature right. uh, and the flexibility and the automatic aspect of mm-hmm. of that as we uh, develop initial uh, right. initial uh, uh, applications and future applications.
1: That's a good point you bring up. So I I, I uh, often explain this as. The two ends of the spectrum for uh, speech. Mm -hmm. If you prioritize understanding of speech, then we might do signal processing very differently. Right. On the other hand, you might other end of the spectrum. You might want to have it sound natural. Yeah. That might be at the expense of uh, understanding speech, like Mm -hmm. word error error rate and stuff. Mm -hmm. So that the where the dial needs to be should be subjective individual. Mm-hmm. And AI needs to be smart in understanding when to prioritize speech, or maybe you can get a cue yep. from the user that now I want to understand speech better. Or no, now I am enjoying the Ambient sound, and I'm actually sitting in a cafeteria. Mm-hmm. And like you said, the background noise actually is what my signal at this time. Yes. I'm enjoying it. So yes. don't suppress it.
0: Yeah. Right. And so don't give away our entire product uh, roadmap, <laughs> uh, but uh, stay yes. tuned because there's more to come.
1: Yeah. We're just barely getting started. Barely on the, getting started. The on tapping into the power of machine learning and AI.
0: Now, the other thing I want to talk about is, and I'm holding in my hands uh, the CIC. Device that is connected directly to a smartphone—a major achievement. We're the, the first to introduce a product this small that connects directly with an Android or an iPhone. And I think maybe mm-hmm. uh, you know people coming in from the Intel world don't appreciate fully you know the the computing power, mm-hmm. and also the batteries yep. have to be so small uh, to in, to pull this off. Plus, to have an antenna yes. to transfer around from one ear to the other.
1: Right. So, you know, uh, let me put the engineering hat on and just uh, uh, explain to your your audience uh, just the complexity of it. Why is it that we are the only ones with shipping this device form factor and no other company is doing it? Because it's difficult. Mm -hmm. But you also know we have a principle in uh, Starkey Research and Development that if it's difficult, we work on it right away. If it's impossible, it might take us it's a little, little longer. longer. Yeah. right? So it is a difficult problem for all the reasons you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, and here you have an optimization issue. Uh, you want People want their hearing aids to be as small as possible for custom devices so they don't stick out, mm-hmm. uh, they're discrete. At the same time, they want to enjoy the direct Bluetooth connectivity with iPhones and Android phones for streaming phone calls, audio books. And what makes that hard? Well, human body is full of water.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, as a result, it absorbs 2.4 gigahertz radiation really well, yeah. Bluetooth, which is what mm-hmm. Bluetooth is used for. Mm-hmm. There's a good reason why microwave oven that heats up our food uses 2.4 gigahertz radiation for heating up mm-hmm. because the, w- the water molecules in food uh, absorb, absorb, absorb those frequencies very well and uh, resonate and uh, vibrate and heat, heat things up. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, if you put the radio deep inside, it's gonna be absorbed by your head and no signal is gonna come out to carry the signal to your phone. So it was a very difficult problem for our radio frequency and antenna design team, and they did an amazing job in converting that little pull handle into a radio frequency antenna, such that the device is still small and discreet, and yet we have the ability for the Bluetooth uh, radiation to come out and connect, not only with the smartphone with you to allow for direct audio streaming, but also ear-to-ear communication. Uh, for, you know, you want to control one hearing aid and the same instructions mm. need to propagate to the other. So it's an example of how, I have to say, in the hearing aid world, where we push the limits. Right. And, you know, we are just here, I have to say, that we are continuing on a tradition of, of that. Mr. Austin has done that for decades. Yes. We have always... He provided
0: know, the roadmap for yeah. this by focusing on the needs of the patient, right. not only to customize the acoustics, of hearing aids but the form factors to make them comfortable to make them uh, cosmetically appealing and small and one of the other thing i i think that you've really driven is uh in many cases in the past when you chose a small form factor like this completely in the canal device that i'm holding or even an in the canal device it's often the case that uh, the professional feels like they have to make a concession that they can't use directional microphones Mm -hmm. because they they really won't benefit that much when you have the microphones down in the ear versus on the behind the ear ricks where they're up and they can really get different timings Mm -hmm. and to take advantage of that with directionality but what we've done now with Mm Uh, The table mic and the other accessories is enable beamforming microphone arrays Mm -hmm. to provide very sophisticated processing Mm -hmm. and it pairs directly with a small cosmetically appealing device like the CIC so that the professional and the patient don't have to concede. They can have the benefits of both. They can have a small custom device that connects directly to their phone and in noisy environments or classrooms or places of worship, they can have the benefit of that remote microphone. Yeah,
1: It goes back to human perception. Mm-hmm. uh for for uh, individuals with perfectly normal hearing we are using the 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 senses the, using our directional senses mm-hmm. to cut down on uh the signals that are not interesting to us so i am able to g- get directional signal and use my signal processing in my head if i can say mm-hmm. that uh based on natural learning not machine learning to understand sc- the content of the uh, signal so What this table mic does is basically provides a boost Mm
2: -hmm. to
1: that sense of direction Mm -hmm. when I might have lost that capability with my uh, degradation in hearing. This device is amazing. It provides, what, eight to 10 decibels of additional uh, directional benefits. Over what
0: directional microphones on hearing aids alone can can provide. That's eight to 10 dB more benefits. that can, it it translates to. It
1: basically results in the, it's a difference between not being, being able to hear you in a noisy environment right. versus hearing you much better and understand what you're saying.
0: This goes back to the superpower. It yes. actually gives, it to support. the degree that the hearing loss allows, it gives the hearing aid user the ability to outperform yes. their normal hearing counterpart.
1: Right. So another example how technologies like beamforming, signal processing, mm-hmm. coupled with the in devices with Bluetooth connectivity for audio streaming can do miracles in terms of allowing people to perform better than they could. In fact, you, we, we talked about how superhuman hearing, yeah. not just have them hear better than they could, but we are on the verge of being able to enable them to hear better than even normal hearing people, right. which is why I use my hearing aids in challenging listening situations. Because even with my normal hearing, mm-hmm. I don't have as good signal-to-noise ratio Mm -hmm. as I have with my devices. Certainly
0: with the table mic or these uh, remote microphone plus and the remote mic, giving that capability to allow the professional to choose a small form factor without conceding on performance in noisy or challenging listening environments. I wanna talk about one other thing with regards to the CIC. I'll let you talk about it, but a a really exciting feature that we've added recently Mm -hmm. for iPhone users is the ability to use the hearing aid microphone Mm -hmm. to pick up my voice when I'm talking. It's really a benefit for the person on the other end of the phone. Uh, It allows true hands-free for the hearing aid user, so I'm not having to talk Mm -hmm. into my, my phone mics but for the uh, yeah. person on the other end, it also provides benefits to them in, in better quality of my voice that they right. hear me.
1: Uh, this was clearly a feature that was of strong demand. And I've learned from you and others that the, you know, the when you had the first hearing aids in the 2012, 13, 14, that could actually stream audio from the mm-hmm. uh, iPhone and subsequently from the Android phones into the hearing aid, the value of the hearing aids went up for people because yes. suddenly it has become their earbud for taking phone calls, right. like streaming uh, audiobooks. Natural next step was uh, just next steps in technology to have this to be bi-directional. Right. So the hearing aids microphone can be used for picking up your phone calls so you can have the phone somewhere else. You don't have to hold it like this. Mm-hmm. We are the first ones uh, to announce the ready- readiness with this technology. And you know just a, uh, a great, great testament of partnership between Apple, I know they were, Apple uh, Director for Accessibility Programs joined us at the Starkey Expo, talking about how we were working on some stuff and she couldn't quite tell, right what are the stuff we're talking about. Well, so this is the first fruit of the collaboration that we are very the, happy to the, see in the market.
0: The deep collaboration and Apple's commitment to accessibility and our knowledge in this area of those right. with hearing loss. Yep,
1: and, and then we have many more things to go and you know, your audience just have to wait for us to Release the next set of features. Yes. It will
0: just take a little while, a yes. little longer. Uh, some of those impossible ones. Um, the the issue with uh, falls. Uh, I mean, you talked briefly about that, but one of the things I think we're particularly proud of is is that because we have the sensors in both devices, if someone falls while they're wearing them, um, it does uh, the, the 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 fall detection algorithm that sends a text and their location right. to trusted contacts is. Uh, uh, more accurate than the chest-worn type yeah. devices. So uh, first, I have
1: to give you a hard time on air, which is that I was doing a demo for fault detection, and you are one of my <laughs> receivers for the signal, and I get a message back from Dave, you fell again, get up. All right. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm not, um, so, I, my wife and daughter insist <laughs> yes. I'm empathetically challenged, so yes. just get up. But, so anyway,
1: um, so let me get back to, so, th- so there are a number of things that are quite amazing about our fault detection technology. Mm-hmm. Number one, the biggest value I believe is that you have hearing aids with you because you need the hearing aids to communicate with people. And now fall detection comes free. Right. You know, if you fell, the device is going to detect and alert your loved ones that you have selected on your app uh, beforehand. You don't need to worry about those other accessories on your body that might be out of charge. In this case, you don't have to worry because you know that your, your, your hearing aids working. It's amplifying sound. And the same device is going to keep you safe because if you fell, it would send an alert. Number two, you mentioned how we have two fall detectors. There's mm-hmm. one on the left, one on the right. Mm-hmm. So you know, the way that I explain it is if my left detected a fall, it would quickly check with ear-to-ear communication with the other one. Hey, I fell. Did you fall? Mm-hmm. So sort of like comparing notes yep. and reducing the false positives versus one device that might be a pendant, right. which might flail around as I'm walking. Head is a much better place for uh, detecting whether you fell or not. So it's quite amazing in my view. Yeah, and and of
0: course, a fall in many cases is too late. Mm -hmm. So some uh, future views is uh, if if we could work to enable these devices to not only detect falls, but prevent them uh, are are ways that uh, uh, we could expect future innovation.
1: Uh, Your audience would be happy to know that uh, we are embarking on a partnership, research partnership with Stanford University School of Medicine, where we're going to want to look at people's uh, gait their balance because we want to reduce the incidence of falls today we can tell when somebody fell we really want to keep them safe and we want to know about their deterioration in the gate before a fall happens mm-hmm. that would be just an amazing contribution to the world of healthcare.
0: Yeah, very excited for that collaboration moving forward. So the the last thing I'll say about the existing technology, and for people interested, they can go to dot www.starkey.com and see some of the additional features that we didn't have time to get to today. But one of the things I'm particularly proud of is fall detection, edge mode that we discussed, even reminders, audible reminders for appointments or to take medication, medication. or to drink water right. um, are all cascading, not only in the yeah. premier... The, the the premier products, right. but are coming down to the other technology tiers too. I must too. say,
1: you know, the, everything you said, even the, just a reminder, we think it's just a feature. But I was on an, an, an event presenting about it, and this they said, look, do you know how big of a problem this one is of the uh, lack of medication compliance, where of good intentions, I forget to take my medicine, particularly people with challenges uh, remembering things, and you have to take 12 different types of medicines in a day, mm-hmm. and you completely forget what, when you need to take what. Now you can program your medication requirements into your into your Thrive app, that's the name yep. of our app, and your hearing aid is gonna remind you at yep. the time. Uh, uh, Dr. Fabry, now is the time to take, your, take this particular medicine. Yep. That's life-saving, it's pretty amazing. This is where the third vector for hearing it's to become your personal assistant yes. is coming to fruition.
0: Yeah, and, and and what do you think it's going to take for the industry? and We talk about awareness. Uh, what's going to take for the industry, the pa- potential patients, to recognize a hearing aid company as a healthable company?
1: Mm-hmm. So I think that we are already a health company I think because we are. hearing aid is a health device. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it keeps you safe. Mm-hmm. I think what we, we what we owe to our customers and patients to quickly learn about is that we're adding a lot more value to keeping you healthy. Mm-hmm uh hearing better is already living better right but now we are going to keep you your and your loved ones safer uh by alerting you if your loved ones are lacking social engagement because we know being lonely at your home getting socially withdrawn are the early symptoms of dementia and alzheimer's and cognitive declines with machine learning capabilities our current hearing aids we're the only ones where we can measure your social engagement so we can keep your loved ones safer by alerting you that you bought a set of hearing aids for your loved one and they are suddenly socially withdrawn Mm -hmm. or they used to be physically active because the built-in embedded sensors we are the only ones measuring steps uh we that person was taking 10,000 steps a day and suddenly for the last few days they're not taking any steps so the hearing aids now with these additional functions what we call healthable technologies are going to help people live better lives more than their core function of the hearing enhancement, which already keeps them, you know, leads them to live better lives.
0: Yeah, I think it's that table stakes of better hearing mm-hmm. performance, but then the connection, as you say, to health and wellness. And there are so many uh, well-published studies now that show the comorbidity between hearing loss and cardiovascular right. disease, cognitive decline, mm-hmm. uh, the, the need for physical activity so we don't get fatter than we already are, uh, to be healthier, mm-hmm. because all of those things have high comorbidity mm-hmm. between hearing loss. And the more that we can connect to that overall health and right. wellness, the better, in addition to that basic function of hearing, mm-hmm. that the better people will perceive and, again, transition from have to wear into want to have.
1: And I'll share with your audience, uh, in addition from my conversations with Mr. Austin, he's impatient. Mm-hmm. He, he's almost, you leave the sense that we have this responsibility. Mm-hmm. We... We own the you know, our real estate in your body that's such an amazing place to deliver more value, keeping you safe, make it an early warning system for your health issues. We just, there's a sense of not only uh, the desire to do things but also a sense of responsibility of doing it just because we could in this form factor that you could not do in other wearable devices or other technologies. So we can't wait for this future to shape up and we're on our way.
0: Excellent. Well, um, it it is the new year now. So in addition to New Year's resolutions, I think the first that if someone is listening who has noticed difficulty with hearing, one New Year's resolution that you can do very easily is to get your hearing tested and see if you have a hearing loss. And there are, are a number of ways that you can do that through apps, through online tests, we have one at www.starkey.com, to go to see a professional and and have a diagnostic test to determine whether or not hearing aids might be for you. But then now specific to your role, what are some of the new technologies that are on the horizon in 2022 and beyond?
1: That's a good question, and I am just boiling inside to tell you and your audience (laughs) the stories of what's coming, but I'm going to be cryptic about it. The devices that we we already have now, for all of the reasons that we discussed over the last half an hour, they're already just miraculously better than these devices used to be years ago. And the pace of innovation is increasing at an exponential pace, not Mm -hmm. at a linear Mm -hmm. rate. All of the things we talked about, new sensors that are being embedded, the capabilities of machine learning and artificial intelligence with enormous amounts of data that you are collecting and utilizing for developing new features or making old features better, new form factors.
0: Well, the sky's the limit, and we're happy to have you at the driver's control here. And uh, as they say, when you're uh, given a seat on a rocket ship, you don't ask where to sit. You just sit down and uh, and, and get going. And uh, And it's been a pleasure working with you. For the past uh, over three years, and I look forward to the next three years to see what we're going to deliver. And
1: I have to say, part of part of the, the the excitement at Starkey is the the talented teams we have. Yeah. I'm learning every day from you yeah. on what about, about the about the the human side, the the audiology, the patient's rejection or acceptance of a feature, the way the you know technologists need that because we are here to solve a specific problem mm-hmm. or provide a specific value. So I think it's through the interactions with the users, the patients, mm-hmm. and engineers is when miracles will happen and doing such a fabulous work in bridging the two worlds together. Mm. Thank you.
0: Oh, well, it's my pleasure. And um, one last question, and then we'll wrap up here. Um, You've mentioned uh, the role of mentors in the past and how that's been important to you. But now you're in a position where you're leading large teams and mentoring them. What advice do you have for maybe engineering students, audiologists, dispensers, physicians, um, based on your experiences? Do you have any, any pearls of wisdom to share today?
1: So I think the best I can do is just pass on. So I'll say I have, through my life, uh, benefited tremendously from people I've looked up to, called them mentors, I still do, mm-hmm. uh, and will continue to do it. Uh, we never stop learning or getting inspired by people. So I'd say the, it's I, I'd say it's sticking to the basics, and not overthink your entire life, but I will always challenge people to do the best of the moment, and learn the most you can, make the biggest contribution you can, and then the dots connect themselves, and you look back and you're amazed yourself of the path that you have taken so just enjoy this the window of time around you in both maximizing your learning making the biggest contribution you can and just be nice with people around you <laughs> uh, it's about it's about having fun along this journey mm-hmm. and and then we can leave a mark uh, on on the in the world if we, if you do that in positive ways that will benefit us and benefit the society around us
0: Well, and thank you for that. And in your short time in our industry, you've already left a mark and uh, we'll look forward to future innovations together. Thank you. And so thanks very much for being here today. Um, To our listeners, thanks for listening to this episode of Starkey Soundbites. If you enjoyed this conversation, please rate and review us on your preferred podcast platform. You can also hit subscribe so that you'll be sure not to miss a single episode. And we look forward to seeing and hearing you next time. Thanks for listening.